This is Artist Stories, a podcast that centers experiences of artists whose lives have left a lasting impact on Southern Arizona. I'm Janae Sanchez. And I'm Ami Robles. And today we welcome Ana Flores, border-dwelling poet, educator, and Arts Foundation team member. Hi, Ana. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited that you're here because you're the first colleague that joins us. Yeah, thank you all for having me. I'm so honored and surprised that I'm the first one of us to be on the podcast. Can you introduce yourself? Can you tell uh, our audience a little bit about about what you do? I uh, was born in Nogales, Arizona, um, which is why I identify as a border-dwelling poet. And I have been writing for a really long time and got my MFA in poetry this last year, actually. And now I teach at Arizona State University. I teach poetry, English, and a class on short stories. I am really passionate about building communal language. So I'm really excited to also be a team member at the Arts Foundation because a communal language is such a big priority of what we do here and trying to really understand and build networks of art within community. So it's not an easy task, but I think that reaching towards it has taught me a lot. I think I'm pretty lucky to be able to kind of constellate all of these different practices into my own writing practice. So I, yeah, I, I, I write and I also do a lot of research and I get to kind of build those things together um, in our work here at the Arts Foundation. That's so beautiful, Anna. I love how the word you use, you constellate, you know, all of these practices and I really feel like as your colleague, like at the center, at the root of it is this way of using language in a poetic way. There's this way of communicating and understanding that brings us all together in not only in mind, but also in heart on this region. And I think poetry has a way of doing that. So I just love, I just love <laughs> being able to talk to you about this and you know, allowing our listeners to get a sense of like, you know, where are we coming from? And now with you on the team, you know, this, that that sensibility you bring to the team that draws out the poetry in the work. So can you talk a little bit about just your upbringing and Nogales and how do you see some of those experiences translating into your practice as, as a cultural worker, as an artist? Yeah, I think growing up in the border and having being part of a mixed status family really allowed me and also maybe condemned me to having to move between different varying degrees of legibility and I'm sure you and Ami can understand what that means and feels like not in terms of just language and Spanish and English itself but also culture and being and you know having to exist in different types of environments but I think that themes of separation and loss and impact of time and and violence and all of those things they offer a unique perspective on um, on distance and family and relationships and the idea of community because sometimes the people we're in community with are miles and miles away or this the people that we're in and families with are miles and miles away. So growing up in a landscape that is extremely affected by separation and state-enacted separation, it forces me to be a little bit more concerned about time and generation and, and how the border moves in and out of those themes. And I think ultimately I'm very aware of what separation does to a person and what it does to communities and families. 
So being able to grow up in that, I think, has given me a perspective on on what art could possibly translate that into other people's or other communities or other artists. So yeah, I think just not being especially legible or being illegible as a person that's constantly going back and forth um, and not really adhering to one culture or one language or, or one identity or one label it makes my art just a little bit more I think fluid a big event just closed out in April at the end of April that you were really at the helm of this year called open studio tours can you share just like your the way you describe it and also what was new this year what made it special and anything else that you've learned through this this journey of not only leading the project but also hearing from artists along the way yeah i feel really grateful that you know the team entrusted me with this program it was definitely something new for me I haven't really had an experience like this one before as someone that really loves art and is really into how artists create their work this was really exciting for me to be able to re-meet Tucson in this way the program to about a 20 year old program I believe that means that it has gone through different iterations different program leads So I knew that coming into this, especially as we reinterpret COVID-19 regulations and ways of being and ways of coming together, I realized that a lot of artists rely on open studio tours to be able to sell their work. And I think the bottom line of the program was to be able to get local artists um, in contact and relationships with art buyers, art collectors, and more and more the type of person that is an art collector or an art buyer is quote-unquote diversifying right where it's not only just like wealthy people that are interested in collecting art or having art in their homes so that was an exciting opportunity to be able to be a part of and i think arts foundation is also really interested in opening up the program uh, to folks that don't have traditional workspaces people that work out of you know libraries or their homes or who share space. Um, So that's something that we're still reaching for and in trying to understand how to reach people who might not feel like they could be a part of open studio tours. We also came to understand that people that are not visual artists or traditional artists or fine arts artists could also participate in this program if they're musicians or if they're spoken word artists or if they're performing artists. I think the public and community is really interested in understanding how artists create, what their processes are like. You know, exposing what the local art workforce looks like and thinking about artists as workers, as people that create, that could really help public and community also understand that art is, you know, art is a labor. And artists oftentimes, you know, they have their practices and they have their expenses and and there's ways that they create art that isn't necessarily intangible you know i think a lot of people think art and artists are emotional so it's a fleeting thing but really artists invest a lot of time energy and years and years of work in order to create so i think a lot of that nuanced and concrete details about the local art workforce could really help us see artists as workers invest more in them or help support them more and one of the new elements of the program in efforts to really expose the art local art workforce was to create the creative process video series 
in which we did a lottery for five artists from Tucson and the local regions to participate in a professional production of their creative process. So these five artists were able to record with Commotion Studio, which is a local videography company. And they were asked questions about what their process was like, what their tools was, were like, where they worked from, how they worked. And these videos are really beautiful examples of what that what an artist does, what their work is like. And we have Nan Wallman, Jay Craigman, Alan Berman, Alejandra Trujillo, and... Amber Doe. Yes, Amber Doe. All of these artists, I mean, they just have such incredibly different approaches to their art. But it's very, very clear that it's something that takes up time, energy, money. Um, and so to see that explained uh, in real time was just really great. And I think a good summary of what this program's goals were. One of the participants, Janine Colini, uh, who was an artist that participated, said, attendees seemed genuinely interested in meeting me as the artist and finding out more about the work behind the scenes. And I think that's one of the goals of Open Studio Tours is not only have an opportunity to purchase directly from artists, but also understand how that work happens. Yeah, and it's like, it's not just um, like an art fair, you go and buy art, but actually connecting with the artists that you're purchasing from in a, in a human way. Mm -hmm. That's so great. And just to mention that the artist videos that were created by Commotion Studios, they're all available on our YouTube channel. So you can check that out. Yeah, I just wanted to say that those videos were super cool. They were so professional. I think it helps a lot. It helps the artists a lot to sell their work, but also tell a story, tell the audience who they are. It just looks very nice in their profiles. So mm -hmm. I hope this keeps on happening for the next Open Studio Tours. I think it was an, an excellent addition to OST. And I, I just wanted to congratulate you because this was your first time doing an OST. Like the Arts Foundation has done OST for so many years, but this was your first time. And you got in with all you had and just started doing all this cool stuff for local artists. Like Janae and I were like, we, we were able to see all your work. We saw how hard you work. Now that you have time to breathe, now that you have for yourself and I'm pretty sure you'll keep planning for other OSTs but now now that you have time for yourself what's what's on your mind what's your next art project personal art project oh thank you so much yes well first of all yes you and you and Janae were such an important part of the program and I think we all identified things that we want to better and I think having a group to identify those things with um is going to make it all the more possible for the next iteration of OST. But yes, now that I have a little bit more time to a little bit more thinking space, um, I, you know, I've never, I, I definitely am proud of myself for keeping up with the writing practice, even throughout um, and every other sort of programming, even while I'm teaching, you know, t trying to weave that into the writing practice, as opposed to compartmentalizing it. But that being said, I, I definitely am working on, on, a, on a different manuscript. I self-published a book in 2018 called Pochadiri, and I 
you learned a lot about the industry and my community and language through that effort. But now I, I'm really turning toward a, a multimodal book of poems that really studies the English alphabet as sort of catalyst for some of the state-enacted separations, violences, and interrogations that come with being someone that crosses the border frequently. So all that is to say that I, I am continuing to think about the border as a warring force. And that that also becomes a concern sometimes. I know that I might be really just obsessed with thinking about this. And I don't really know if that's a good (laughs) thing at this point. But I really am interested in, in visual poetry as well. So I'm building sigils and dance notations and verse and mixing that all into a book of poems. So that's what I've been working on. And I've also been offering some workshops and collaborating with visual artists that are in my community. It's it's all very much in the middle of things, but I think... I'm just really excited to have people to bounce ideas off of and also learn and join join the writers who have been investigating border crossing process as a dehumanizing effect, you know, and and I'm really lucky to have kind of joining like, I think a cohort of artists that includes you I mean, you, Janae, and who are just thinking about what what does this mean to the human experience? And that's really, really exciting. That sounds very exciting. Um, I just want to have it in my hands now. Like, I want to read all your poems, everything. Uh, will that be available for the public as soon as it's done? Like, is there a way uh, people can get a hold of it? Oh my gosh, that's a really good question. But I have no idea when, <laughs> when I'm finished with something like this. I think for now, I really am just trying to research and speak to people and interview and, and just kind of do the writing for now. And I really don't know when something like this will be finished. But, but I think in the in between then... Um, I'm just hoping to get some poems out there from the manuscript and get some feedback, get some eyes on it. No, that's perfect. Take your time. Like, uh, the more time, the better. <laughs> yes, that's how I feel about it right now. Anna, you know, we, we talk about <clears throat> mentors a lot on artist stories. Some, some artists have several, some have very few. They consider their peers mentors. I would love to ask you, like, what is your relationship with the word mentor? Is there a person or, you know, anything that stands out to you that makes you think of your art, your trajectory as an artist and, you know, those moments where doors open and or ideas come mm-hmm. to life? or they feel real enough to say them out loud? What comes to mind for you? Yeah, I've been so lucky to have a lot of people really believe in my work along the way and really play in a bunch of different types of genres and, and practices. And I think that can be... I can think back to like my teachers growing up and and then people who I've joined in their own art practices. I know, you know, I, I've had a theater teacher named Escalindo in high school. And then I also mm-hmm. met, you know, James Garcia from the New Carpa Collective that, that I did work with as a very young person. And then I had professors. and And then I think now, you know, I really put a lot of energy and, and investment in people that are just in my community doing similar work, who ha- who are have zines out, who self-publish, who put things out there just because they feel moved to. And I think that's been really the greatest impact. 
that I've had in, in my work has been people that I kind of just get to work alongside. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think there are also um, ways that books themselves have become mentors or even people um, who I don't know, who, who I get to read that, that really impact the way that I write and the way that I'm thinking. You know, when I first came across Suzanne Césaire's work or I, I miss Césaire's work, I was just so changed and I never met these people and they've, you know, they've passed and some, you know, but, but they're, they're such giants in my, in my work. And I kind of like feel their presences as I go into the writing. Um, I think Soma Sharif, who is a, a poet, you know, I also read a lot of her work and am stunned and can't help but to aspire to that clarity. I think um, another poet that I really I feel moved by is uh, Wendy Trevino, uh, who has such a such an accessible type of writing. I also think a lot about June Jordan, who was a uh, was a poet and writer and activist. And I think there's just like people you come across, whether they be here with us now or have are no longer with us, that stay with the writing. And I know that my writing has shaped and reshaped along the years because I've had the, because, because those people did so much work on their own and are doing so much work on their own. I also believe nothing is new. You know, like I think a lot of the things that I'm hoping to understand about the themes that I'm circling, a lot of them have already been articulated in some way or the other, mm-hmm. but I like to think about my work as a, as joining this cohort, as joining a larger sphere of conversation. And um, that can feel really daunting, but I think it also feels like a guide. So I think in terms of mentorship, that's sort of where I look to for guidance. That's so beautiful. Yeah, I'm writing down all the poets you were mentioning. <laughs> Me too, Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know you've mentioned on June Jordan to us before and Wendy Trevino so I'm, I'm looking forward to now have them written down so we can look into them I love what you how you talked about you know adding contributing right to this larger conversation mm-hmm. and and adding to a context adding your context right mm-hmm. from your perspective is such a beautiful way to think about it I I totally agree nothing is new um, it's just reimagined or it comes from a, a different source and that's that's what makes art so beautiful yeah Anna you have such a beautiful way with words and like we can all tell that you like you're an expert <laughs> we can tell that that you you've had so many years of experience um, but I'm pretty sure it was not like that all the time and going back to your upbringing like your artist trajectory like the moment you decided to be an artist and all that uh thinking about that what would your advice be for an emerging artist someone that just decided that they want to dedicate their life to art like what would your advice be for those creatives i think a concrete thing that i wish i had understood a few years ago was to really take inventory of what the practice already is, what your artistic practice already is, and then just protect that with everything you have and and make that a priority in your life. 
And um, because if, if something is already working for you in terms of an arts practice, then you don't necessarily need to fix it. And it might be enhanced or reshaped along the way, but I think just being protective of that arts practice is really important. Another thing to protect would be what you put out there and, and how you perform if you are a performing artist or if you present your work anywhere um, to really protect your energy and yourself. Because I think artists, we use our lives in order to create images and to create understanding. I think an audience matters. So just understanding who your work is for, who your work is accountable to, and who your work is for might be different. And so understanding those things can really protect you as an artist. So just making sure you protect yourself by understanding your audience and understanding who your work is accountable to, and then also protect your artistic practice. I think those are very, those are things that I am only coming to understand now that I think would have helped me a few years ago. Well, I'm, I'm taking notes. <laughs> Thank you, Anna. All right. Are we to the section for random questions, Ami? Yeah. Janae, take it. Take it away. All right. You ready, Anna? Yeah. We'll have three random questions for you, okay? Three random questions. <laughs> if you could transport yourself to a different time period and place in this moment, and let's say the three of us will just be having coffee somewhere, what time period Ooh. would it be? And where, where would it be? Oh, my God. That's so funny. I really, I I don't know. I'm like kind of scared of the past. <laughs> like if we're talking about America. I'm a little yeah. bit scared of like going back. Um, so I'm trying to think of like a time. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe like, maybe like Nogales when like Los Apson were still around. <laughs> Is that the 50s? Yeah, maybe the uh-huh. 50s. But if we only had to be there for like an hour. Yeah, just cool. an hour. <laughs> oh my God, yes, yes. <laughs> so that's what I would choose. An hour in the 50s, seeing Los Apps on live. Okay, I have one. What is like the most played song on your playlist My right best now? friend's a DJ, and she makes fun of me because I listen to a lot of sad music. That's pretty much the only thing I listen to. <laughs> um, so, so my number one played song is "Amor Tumbado" by Natanael Cano. Ah, I love that song. Yes. But yeah, it's a sad song. Yeah. It's a little old now, but it's still really good. Yeah, we love right? some corridos tumbados here. Yes, <laughs> that's what I've been listening to lately. Well, thank you for engaging with us and random questions, Anna. And it's been a true pleasure just having this conversation. And I know we'll have lots more, but um, I'm, I'm looking forward to our audience getting to know you a bit better. And just wish you all the best with your upcoming project and all the great things coming up for for you and Arts Foundation. So thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you, Janine. Thank you, Ami. I've had so much fun. Thank you, Anna. And as we conclude the episode, we leave you with Tusks Out by Ana Flores. Tusks Out. Let's leave something angry behind. The way nine dead javelinas pile up. Tusks Out. A road is complicit, gored in crosses. I measure the land by tallying blisters on my brother's feet, taping them. Look more closely. This is a funeral for oceans, 
My parents debate Marana's natural streams, where they end, where they start, where my brother was found when he crawled into Tucson. Back then I thought I knew the land, before his return home to an unknown place. I did not know what distance could do, how it eats the body's perimeter, and in the desert you are your only shade. This has been Artist Stories, featuring the stories of artists and arts organizations in our region. To listen to more podcasts, visit kxci.org. Artist Stories is a project of the Arts Foundation for Tucson and Southern Arizona, which is partially funded by the City of Tucson and Pima County. Music for this podcast was created by Jonathan Rodriguez.